Books are like mirrors. You only see in them what you already have inside you. Carlos Ruiz Zafon. You're listening to Writing Roots, brought to you by Aspen House Publishing. Welcome to Writing Roots. I'm Lee Hull. And I'm Lee Esses. Today's episode, we are going to be talking about how to make your world building accessible. You want your readers to access your world, and that comes down to how you connect the dots between our world and the fictional one that you create. Like we've said a couple of times, especially in our Make It Real episode, lean into what your audience can already understand and assume about your world. Because your audience will have preconceptions about how gravity works, we're going to assume that it's going to work the same in both locations until you tell us otherwise. Having that same kind of basis to the world and same functionality helps you make similes and metaphors that your readers can understand. Having elements of your world be like how it works in our world will help you when you try to make similes and metaphors because you want the reader to be able to understand and connect it with something they know, but you still need to make those similes and metaphors make sense within your world. So if you have one character looking at another character in a mildly disapproving slash annoyed but still kind of affectionate way, you can say he looked at her like he was a teacher and she was a student that was struggling to grasp a fairly simple concept. This is something that travels across worlds and makes that particular expression very accessible. Making your world accessible comes down to a lot of different factors and it hinges on that realistic connection. You don't want to have to explain a lot about your world before the readers can start to connect with it. Yes, it is good to have different cultures with different facial expressions. You see this a lot in sci-fi, but you have the baseline. You have the human creature with the same kinds of facial expressions and the same similar culture to ours so that when somebody smiles, you understand that is them being happy or civil or whatever. And when they encounter that alien creature, then you have that counterpoint of when they smile, it's really creepy. And it's because they're trying to mimic a human, but to them, that's baring their teeth and it's aggressive. So they don't intend it to be aggressive because they understand humans, but it still kind of looks that way because that's part of their culture. They're meant to look aggressive when they smile. Another barrier that people come across when trying to make something accessible is language and word choice in relationship to technology. I wrote a fantasy type story where one character said that his mistrust for somebody skyrocketed at that moment. And my beta readers all flipped out. They did not like the word skyrocket in a fantasy setting. We can kind of do that in steampunk or sci-fi. We can use basically whatever language we want, but especially if you're trying to world build accessibly, make sure you're aware of technology levels and you've established that ahead of time so that it makes sense across the board. And it's not just word choices. It can be names too. This is the Tiffany conundrum. Tiffany is an old English name. It is present in the 1600s. 
But if you hear the word Tiffany, you are likely thinking of somebody born in the late 80s, early 90s, and has that kind of very modern feel to it. Even if the name has literally been around for centuries, nobody would stick a Tiffany in this medieval fantasy world, unless it's a portal fantasy, and Tiffany came from the portal. So it's this kind of idea that your word choice really helps create the setting for your world. It really helps connect to it. In our episodes where we talked about making it real and making it immersive, your word choice matters because it needs to fit the setting. It needs to fit the world that you've established. And I think it comes down to distractions. It is distracting to people to have the word skyrocket in a swords and sorcery fantasy. This takes them out of the book that they're reading themselves and reminds them that they are in this world because this is a world that we can think of the word skyrocket, even though the characters wouldn't come up with that on their own. I like to kind of compare this to a book I read a while back that I absolutely hated. Part of it was because things kept getting introduced that reshaped my view of the era that this world was in. It started out feeling very much like a medieval swords and sorcery kind of setting. All of a sudden, there was a relatively modern technology introduced. And then two-thirds of the way through, suddenly they're introducing firearms. And like, where did the firearms come from? Everybody to this point has been using swords. And it didn't make sense because it hadn't been established. So remember, the technology you have in the world, the word choices that you use to represent the world are all connected and it needs to fit. Avoid as much as possible throwing up barriers between your reader and your story, whatever that story is, because if you are throwing up barriers, then it's no longer accessible. That is the biggest thing we can give you as far as advice for world building an accessible world. You also want to make sure that it is emotionally accessible to your reader, not just physically accessible, not just these things that they will remember from their actual life, but the feelings that they experience in their actual life. Does your character go to a tavern that feels like the coffee shop that you as a writer spend your free time in? Maybe your character has old friends. We recently went on a road trip and we visited several friends of both of ours along the way. So if your character is going on the hero's journey and is traveling, there's a good chance they'll run into friends along the way. Having that kind of depth and history to your character through the world will help the setting that you create, help the world you create feel full. And the same thing goes not just with the people that they know, but the places that they know. Do they go somewhere and say, oh, this is where I had my first kiss and they have all those nostalgic feelings towards it? Or do they go to a place where they experienced real fear for the first time? Even if it's someplace that's relatively mundane, the emotions connected to it can be very intimate and therefore your reader can immediately connect with that. Because the reader has likely experienced something similar before. 
they have had that moment where they had their first kiss and they remember exactly what it was like and where it was. And it was probably a totally mundane place to be, but it still seared into their memory with those emotions of that moment. This is especially fun if you have another point of view and another character visit the same location later and have completely different emotions attached to this particular location because it gives a more 360 multifaceted view of the location. So if she had her first kiss in this hallway at the high school and he was bullied in this same hallway at the high school, we get a much more realistic view of what this particular place emotionally feels like. And you can get a sense that this spot in your world has history, that it has a variety of things that have happened there to different people. It's not always going to be viewed in the same way. It doesn't have to be something as mundane as the high school hallway. It can be something like the Capitol building or the castle in the world. Some people will view it as this grand, beautiful creation, and other people will see it as a symbol of oppression. No matter how you are going about this world-building aspect of making it accessible, remember that you do need to touch on what is familiar in our world, because then it can help the reader connect to it. And I know we talked about earlier this month how you don't want to spend a lot of time on those details that are the same as our world, but you do need to touch on it. You do need to establish that it is the same because then your reader can be connected with it. And that can also come down to how you use words in your story. Well, the demon race is called blah, blah, blah. Great, but you can just call them demon folk. It's okay. It's okay to use words that we already have words for because if you're throwing too many pronouns in at once, it's very difficult to keep track of it all. Which one was the demon folk again? Oh yeah, it's that one. Keeping it accessible means trickling your world building throughout your story and using the simplest words for the most complex ideas. And really, everything that we've talked about in this episode from your word choice to the emotional connections to having connections to reality, all of these things can be summed up in this simple phrase. Stop putting up roadblocks between your audience and your world. Stop trying to make it so fancy and so complicated because you like the world building process so much that you want to do all of that. When you have too much of that, it creates barriers that you don't want in your world. Just let them enjoy the simple story. Because remember, your book is about the story, not about the world. And before they can get into your world, they are going to have to read your book for the first time. Before they can read your book, you are going to have to write the book. And if you want this book to be good enough to read a second time, you have to write selfishly. If you have a question or comment for our hosts or a topic you'd like us to cover, send us an email at writingroots@aspenhousepublishing.com or find us on Facebook by searching for Aspen House Publishing. 